So today's expose is with an, you know, Jubilee. We're featuring Jubilee. So, yeah, because this is her first appearance ever in the medias other than comics. And her, mm-hmm. her real name is, full name is Jubilation Lee. Because so, it's so Jubilee joyous, joyous when she's around. <laughs> <laughs> um, her power is lumine- lumikinetic explosive light blasting or you can just say fireworks you know cool um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah she can make fireworks happen and it's like 4th of July every day oh she's so cool um, and her first appearance was in Uncanny X-Men number 244 yeah what year was that though May of 1989, girl. May of 1989, thank you. So a little tidbit, which is kind of funny, is it almost wasn't Jubilee, Kevin. What was it? It was going to be Kitty Pride again as, like, our main character in this. Oh, what changed? Marvel Marvel said, "Uh, Kitty Pride is so, like, 1980. We have this new character, Jubilee. We want to push her. So can you, like, put her in instead? I mean, she really was like the hip chick of the 90s with her jacket and her glasses and her bubble gum and her hoop earrings and all that stuff. You know, we are the 90s. We are the cool yeah. kids. We're the, we're the mall dwellers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I almost wonder, I guess we'll talk about it more in a minute. But like there's that part, for example, where she touches the VCR. There's a part where she touches the arcade and like she kind of frazzles it so i almost wonder if they just took out kitty who has a similar power of frazzling electronics and just put in jubilee (laughs) yeah i go i wanna go gene scott gene But this aired on October 31st, 1992, and it was written by Mark Edward Edens, who is actually one of the powerhouse writers of the mm-hmm. series. You'll see. Yes. Halloween, 1992. Yeah. Do you want to know a little history behind that? It's kind of funny. Okay. So this was supposed to come out in September of 92, and uh, they got back. We talked about this a little in our intro, but in case you didn't hear it, they got back the animation, and it was trash. It was all trash. (laughs) They were like, we can't air this. Like, what are we going to do? So basically, um, they came up with a plan. Mostly Eric Lewald came up with a plan to, okay, well, we have enough time to fix up Night of the Sentinels. What if we show those as like a special on Halloween in prime time and that'll buy us a few months of excitement to lead up to the actual series in January. It was on Fox Kids at nighttime? Yeah, it showed on Fox. I don't know if it was Fox Kids, but it was, they called it prime time. So I think it just randomly showed. (laughs) And, um... 
Yeah, I just so this turned was five for the day. Really? I turned five the day before this aired. Wow, so I'm three years older than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, because uh, nothing else. They they actually say this was a happy accident because nothing else was premiering in January. So like everything else was reruns, and suddenly there's new episodes of X Men. So everybody was watching it. There you go, a stroke of genius. Because now you got people hooked. Yeah, people are, are like, if I missed that part of the X Men before, and this is my first introduction. I'm like, whoa, what a crazy world! And you know, especially for Halloween when everyone's thinking about costumes and superheroes and stuff, it kind of fits, you know. Yeah, and I remember watching this on that Halloween. It was a big deal. <laughs> I did not watch it on that Halloween. I think I was too young, but okay. I was still watching Barney. Don't age shame me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably, cause I probably, you know, I know it was on when it was on kind of reruns and stuff, but um, I didn't get into it until like probably it was a few years in because it took me a while. I think once I get into Power Rangers, I think I saw Power Rangers first, and then I started watching X Men. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. So a family is watching the news of Sabretooth. In the downtown area. There we go. I was like, what is this trying to tell me? (laughs) Okay. So they're talking about putting their foster child into mutant control. They're like, if this mutant is on a rampage, what's her jubilee going to (laughs) do? Jubilation. Oh, I love how you said jubilation because she's not so jubilations today. Not so joyous today. (laughs) She hears them from her hiding spot upstairs saying, oh, no. (laughs) What if our daughter grows into a hairy, strong madman and destroys things? I know. How crazy. It's funny, too, because they don't say that she's a foster child yet. So it's kind of like, why is was, this Asian girl hanging out with these white people? That's what I was saying. <laughs> that's what I was saying. I was so confused. I'm like, how are these her parents? Yeah. Like, is she, is she not Chinese-American in this? And then, I, But then when you see her, like, scanned, it says Chinese-American. So I'm like, okay. Well, okay. Then it's like, okay, I get it. But I was very confused at first. <laughs> well, what's really interesting to me is this episode is actually very similar to how Jubilee was introduced with a few key differences. Um, Jubilee did not have foster parents in the comic books. Uh, mm. I hate that we have to talk about this again, but the X-Men were in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> The X-Men were uh, hiding out in Australia, and they would go through a portal made by a gateway to go to different parts of the world. And they happened to go to a mall in L.A. where Jubilee would perform using her powers, and people would, like, give her money. Oh. And you find out later that Jubilee has no parents, that she's an orphan, and that she's actually been living in the mall. Wow. So that's why she's a mall dweller. Oh, my Exactly. Gosh. She's a mall rat through and through. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like that would have taken the show to a much more adult, much darker place to not have her have foster parents and live in a mall. <laughs> <laughs> She's been with us for a year, even. Crazy. Yeah, a year. But don't you love this? Her name was Martha. He's like, don't, don't fret, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's name is Martha, too. <laughs> 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 oh my god <laughs> you know it's coming back this whole thing we're talking about see we're connecting the debts yep 
a sentinel flies toward the camera. It lands at Jubilation's house. I wasn't sure if they were calling her Jubilee yet, so I kept putting Jubilation oh, in these okay. early scenes. But her parents <laughs> do call her Jubilee, so apparently she just goes by that. Yeah. <laughs> Does, did she have a Bart Simpson poster in her room? It almost looked like it. She did. It. I think it was slightly off for like copyright reasons. Yeah, but, like, it was like yeah, a skinny version. Part. Okay, I was like, because I was, I didn't stop it to look at it, but I'm like, I was like, <laughs> so I just wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> Good eye sniper. <laughs> yeah. See. <laughs> All right. Uh. Jubilee's foster dad points out the VCR as an example of why she's dangerous. <laughs> the foster parents wonder if they should have took in Jubilee. If she had, like, to get registered. Is is, this is, was she registered yet? No. No, she wasn't registered yet, but they, they wanted to get her. Like, yeah, he asks Martha if, like, should we have adopted her, basically. Like, oh, gotcha. she's a mutant. Look what trouble we could be in now. Mm-hmm. But, Kevin, this is exciting. Okay, okay, this is the introduction of one of our things. <laughs> this is our first 90s moment. <laughs> you got mail. 90s moments. Our 90s moment. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, VCR. Like that. VCR. And it's, and it's funny. I didn't even bend an eye. I'm just like, yeah. Duh. Of course. This is what we had. I didn't even think, you know, I didn't think anything different about it because it's like so ingrained. But, I mean, VCRs. Yeah. So should, we tell, we should we tell the people what VCR stands for? <laughs> Do oh, we know? Video cassette recorder? Yeah, I think so. Oh, look at me. I think so. I don't know. Let me look it up for me to make sure so I don't sound like a super person. But <laughs> yeah, I remember those days where we had to like, they were big Video old cassette recorder. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. we used to have to like rewind them. And the more you use them, the more they like wear out. Like I remember my videotape of Labyrinth and Return of the Jedi and Beetlejuice, Batman Returns, like all of those had like lines going through them. All as I the lines. It's yep. like, it's just, and then you hear like a little, and then like it starts to fade and like, oh, no, I love oh. this movie. Don't, <laughs> don't die on me yet. You know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Sentinel destroys everything in its path just to get to Jubilee. It crashes through her window to grab her, but the bed be empty. Jubilee's parents find her empty room and her mom screams bloody murder. (laughs) 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 And this is a terrible screen. (laughs) She does. Oh, Martha. (laughs) This Sentinel sounds like the master control program in Tron. Yes, it does. You're right. I was like, is this the same voice? Is this the same actor? (laughs) 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 But yeah, just that I kept thinking, oh, MCP. Oh, yep. You know me. (laughs) Mm -mm -mm. It was OPP. Yeah, what's it called? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you down with OPP? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, 90s. 
Nineties moment. <laughs> See, we can have them too. We can have a lot of them. All right. Yep. <laughs> Jubilee has run off to the mall and is in an arcade. The mall is still open? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sentinel follows her to the mall. Everybody, come and play. <laughs> Throw every last care away. Let's go to the mall today. Okay. Anyway, I couldn't had. I came to me in a dream. Oh wait, a kid wants his mom to buy the sentinel for him. I want that one, mommy. <laughs> buy me that. Buy me that. <laughs> Jubilee gets mad at the arcade and accidentally splodies it. The arcade manager ain't happy. He deduces Jubilee is a mutant, and she runs. She runs straight into a sexy black woman with white hair and a southern belle with brunette hair with white in the front. What crazy characters! Yeah, I was wondering if they would be important in the episode because they stand out so much. But I don't recognize them as anybody no. that we would know. They have these beautiful jackets with <laughs> shoulder pads and bags. <laughs> <laughs> I just I can't believe how much the Sentinel is destroying just to get to Little Jubilee. She's not even a danger. I know. And it's like... You got all these other mutants around. Why are you obsessed with her? I mean, I guess they yeah. you know, but still. But I was just like, she's not the only one. Get the other yeah. ones. <laughs> Outside, the Sentinel comes crashing into the mall. Definitely worth the destruction for one mutant. We see Gambit buying cards. Original. Jubilee <laughs> continues to flee from the Sentinel. It catches up to her. Jubilee realizes she's the target. Wow. You didn't realize that yet? (laughs) (laughs) Well. Well. Rogue and Storm see Jubilee. Oh, it it was Rogue and Storm, Kevin. Those are the people. (laughs) My mind is blown apart. Wow. Such disguises. Crazy. Rogue and Storm see Jubilee being apprehended and take action. The Sentinel decides he doesn't care about them. But they care about him, and they battle. Gambit is drawn into the battle as Storm and Rogue get blasted onto the roof. (sighs) I'm always surprised at how sexualized Gambit is right here, because he says, like, she's buying the cards, and she says, do you play solitaire? Or do you play cards or something? And he says, I play solitaire, but unless I have someone to play with? And I'm like, whoa! (laughs) I wrote that down. I actually have that in my notes. Really? I said, Gambit wants someone to play with Winky Blonde Face. Because she winks at him, too. She's like, yeah. Oh. I'm like, oh, my. Let's oh get down my. on the mall floor behind this counter. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this is the only time we'll see Storm actually change her costume. The idea behind it was that it was uh, unstable molecules, and she could use the weather to, like, trigger it, basically. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Want to hear a sad story, Kevin? <gasps> what? Did you know there were three actresses who voiced Storm? <laughs> oh, oh my god! No, crazy. So the first one did the whole first season. She voiced it all. They said she was great, but then they they realized one issue, and I was actually surprised that this was a conversation in '92. They realized if the show does well. 
and we reveal that we have this gorgeous white woman playing Storm, it may not go down great with mm. the fans. So they had to uh, cut her. They brought the next woman in who was a black woman, and she recorded the lines. And then they realized, wait a minute, she's American. And remember, we talked about how Hayam is a little cheap. And uh, one thing about American voice actors is you have to pay residuals for any time the series is playing. So that's why a lot of shows go to Canada because it's more just like a one and done type thing with maybe some residuals here and there, but you don't have to. (laughs) So then they, they, (laughs) yeah, they redid storm again. And I don't remember if it was the first or second storm. I think it was the second one. They, uh, apparently the voice actress who finally did the third storm said that they didn't tell the second storm that they weren't using her. (gasps) So apparently she sat down all excited with her kids to hear her voice and it wasn't her voice. Oh my God. Isn't that terrible? That is, oh my God. Man, see, businesses, this industry, cheap industry with Sabans. So which one, so the one we have now is the one, the third one then. Yeah, she is a Canadian black woman, and uh, she said it's funny because a lot of the actresses who were reading for Storm were doing African accents, or they were from Africa, but they wanted her to sound like the second Storm, so she just did that, and she got the part. So they didn't really want an African-sounding Storm. They just wanted the Storm to sound the way they wanted her to. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But she was all like... I am Storm, hear me roar. Yes. That's, I mean, that's her vibe. <laughs> yeah, she's such like a strong powerhouse woman that like, I've always had a joke with my friend Chris that if they ever did a live action animated series, they need to have RuPaul play the Storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Gambit catches Jubilee and staves off the Sentinel. Jubilee runs off. The Sentinel decides it doesn't care about Gambit. As it approaches him, Jubilee jumps out of hiding and pew-pews at it with my fireworks. The Sentinel continues to chase her. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm sure you're getting excited because we're getting I to the same person. I know. I can't wait. Jubilee runs outside where the Sentinel throws a gas bomb, which knocks her out. She meets (gasps) Cyclops, who catches her. Gasp! (laughs) Cyclops shows the Sentinel that he can energy blast more better. She's like, who are you? Cyclops, get down. I'm like, I love that. That's his first line. (laughs) So there's a joke between the cast members. Every single one of them mentioned it, that Cyclops always has to say, get down. (laughs) So I'm going to start a running tally, Kevin. I'm going to compare Cyclops' get down to one other thing that I noticed that the show says a lot, but we haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. We'll see which one's more. (laughs) That'll be fun. (laughs) Get down, get down, get down, get down. Get down. Gold member. Okay, um, but yeah. 
So that's exciting. And he is such a pro. Oh my gosh. He's like, leave it to a pro. Here, I got this. I'm going to blast this Sentinel's head off to bits. Like, get out of me. Get out of my way. Ah, so sexy. Anyway, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Jubilee wakes up in the X-Mansion and accidentally destroys her medical machine. She is able to harness her power and escape the room. She stumbles into Beast, beasting about. She then sees Morph watching TV. <laughs> okay. She's Morph. Uh, she then sees Morph watching TV and turning into actors. He even turns into her. This is, this is what I would do if I was watching TV. I'm like, huh? They look funny. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'd have to constantly talk to you as like one of the charm sisters. You'd always just be one of them. <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> I have to because I had to. I'd be like reciting the lines, and because I don't want my voice to sound sound exactly like theirs. Whenever I'm talking as the percent character, I would morph into them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, morph is an interesting character because we've not really seen morph in the comics at this point. He's an original character. I guess I should say original-ish. Because <laughs> what? That was a Changeling, right? Exactly. So Changeling showed up in X-Men number 35 in August of 67. And Changeling is weird because he was like, he was a villain. He fought the X-Men. And then the writers decided, well, we need to kill off Professor X. So they killed Professor X. And then everybody hated that. So they're like, oh, how do we bring him back? So they said that Changeling between books apparently turned good and decided to pose as professor X and give his life for professor X. And it was weird. (laughs) I was just on another X-Men podcast recently. I I get guested on a lot of podcasts. I don't know why, Um, but this was, I was on gray Malkin lane and we read an an issue from the sixties, a comic book issue from the sixties. And in that one, um, Professor Xavier was not him either. I forget what they said he was. It was not mm. a scroll. It was not a scroll, but it was somebody posing as him. And that's why he was such a jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was like, yeah. here comes the, it was with the grotesque in the subway kind of thing that we read. <laughs> yeah, I think so. they're called the Xenox. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, and apparently uh, when they went to get the permission to use Changeling, they couldn't because then Beast Boy was Changeling in the DC comics, so they couldn't use the name Changeling, but they could base Morph on Changeling. And it's, it's weird how this is coming up right now after I just did Changeling Places and Words of the Witches, and we just talked about a Changeling in Season 8 with <laughs> with the guy in the company you know that's how it always happens <laughs> weird yeah <laughs> all right jubilee stumbles upon the war room apparently everyone is watching the news jubilee hides behind a sentinel head as professor x and gene gray enter gene realizes the monitors were turned off by someone Professor X scans and finds Jubilee is out of her room. He sends the X-Men after her as alarms sound. 
I'm like, if you want this girl to trust you, maybe don't turn on the alarms. And everybody chase her. I was like, get up! Stop get that girl! <laughs> I, I did want to talk about um, the TV quick world, too. I love that there's a commercial called Aggression for Men. Yeah. <laughs> the, said, the said for men. By Calvin Clone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that cracked me up. And of course, yeah. Aggression, like testosterone. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So this is the first, I think, of the major Easter eggs we see. And this is mostly attributed to Larry Houston, who, funny enough, I know the comic book store he goes to, so I'm hoping to one day uh, run into him. But uh, <laughs> he loved X-Men. He was such an X-Men fan. So like we said, he worked on Pride of the X-Men. He wasn't happy with how it came out. So this was his chance to really do it right. So he would hide people within the show. It became a thing. Like on the TVs behind them, we see Domino, we see Cannonball, and we see a commercial for Genosha, which oh. comes up later in this season. Oh, oh, commercials. Look at that. Yeah. Jubilee smacks a control panel like it's a naughty boy, oh, and ends up in the danger room in the middle of Gambit and Wolverine's training session. Oh, scandalous. <laughs> they don't even stop practicing. Jubilee blasts Wolverine as she thinks he's going to hurt Gambit. Stop it! <laughs> Enter Storm and the rest of the X-Men. Beast explains what the danger room is. Storm takes Jubilee with her to the roof. The roof Storm is all fine to the roof. Yeah, I know. I was thinking that too. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need no water. Let the motherfucker burn. Yes. And she's like, Jubilee, come with me. I will tell you <laughs> what X-Men are. <laughs> and have you lip sync for your life. <laughs> 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 On the roof, Storms explains that mutants manifest powers in their teenage years. She explains that they all came to her came here to the mansion to learn to control their powers with Professor X. I was trying to think of something. Oh, I was just watching Big Bang Theory. That's what it was. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you, you, you will be like Charles Xavier and you will be my X-Men. Except because I'm a, my name is Sheldon Cooper, you will be my C-Men. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Professor X shows the X-Men footage from the Sentinel. He tracks it back to the Mutant Control Agency, a private organization sometimes supported sometimes supported by the government. <laughs> yeah, and like, that still rings true today. I feel like the government very much still does that. Like, it trusts in things only when they're doing something that is above ground. And then the minute it does something shady, they're like, oh, we don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Gyrick is at Jubilee's parents' house, grilling them on jubes. They say they've only had her a year and don't really know her that much. <laughs> I don't know her. I don't know her. <laughs> yeah. Glasses indoors, Gyrick, really? It's nighttime? <laughs> yes, yes. Rude. <laughs> Jubilee is running to get parents' house. Gets to parents' house and doesn't notice the sentinel not very discreetly housing between two buildings, but it notices her. <laughs> He's just like, 
don't look at me. This is my hiding spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Sentinel attacks. Jubilee pew pews at it, but nothing happens. It chases her in between another Sentinel and gasses her. They abduct Jubilee at Gyrick's pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> Double your pleasure. pleasure. Double your fun. So, while we're talking about him, so Gyrick has been like in the comics for a while now, and he's always been this kind of government stooge asshole type guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because he actually first appeared in the Avengers in 165 in November of 77. And he was more so about, like against superheroes. Like he ordered them to take Cap Shield away from him and like mandate superheroes. And then he mm-hmm. just slowly kind of transitioned over to like controlling mutants. And he's been an X-Men pretty much ever since. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Trey interessant for sure. Yeah. Back at the manor, Professor X continues his presentation to the X-Men. The Professor sends Storm, Wolverine, Beast, and Morph to infiltrate the mutant control agency, and Cyclops will be in control of the whole team. Interesting to note that Cyclops is in control. In control. I know. Isn't that such a poetic thing? Because he is, he's the leader. He's supposed to be in control. He has this thing to keep up. But, you know, he needs, he needs, he needs help controlling himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cyclops confronts Professor X in the hall. He feels this mission is wrong. Wolverine comes and does his favorite thing and argues with Cyclops. He then says his favorite line, I'm going to go where I want to go. I'll go where I want to go. I say this like three times as in, in this episode. Um, enter Jean. Jubilee is gone. The X-Men take off to look for her. I love how I put Wolverine's favorite line, and you already knew. It's, I go where I want to go. go. (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to tally up Wolverine's line versus Cyclops' line. Who says it more? (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I do think it's really interesting, and I think this is part of why Cyclops doesn't always just come off as, like, a pretty boy jerk. Like, he's questioning Professor X here. Like, he's basically asking... We need to, you know, make peace with humans is the best thing right now to go attack the mutant control agency. Like he's questioning his authority. I like that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. See? Mm-hmm. He's not just a blind follower. You know? He looks like he is with that visor on. <laughs> <laughs> The Blackbird lands in a field. Rogue talks about finding out her power and putting Cody into a coma. The X-Men look on to the MCA. Wolverine and Gambit show up and let the X-Men know they lost track of Jubilee. Storm calls on cloud cover. And didn't the movie steal this? She's like, last boy I kissed was in a coma for three days. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what the movie said. (laughs) Yeah, actually, it's funny because Hugh Jackman, at least, and probably other actors, and Brian Singer, at least, uh, credited the show as where they got a lot of their information from. 
Yeah. Beast throws Morph over the fence and he wreaks havoc. Havoc with his power. Wolverine and Beast also jump the fence. He throws Wolverine up there too, which I thought was cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Storm flies over like a boss. Wolverine smells infrared rays. Storm makes clouds fogginess to reveal them. Beast climbs over the rays and turns off security. I do really appreciate, like, right away we see that Wolverine, like, cuts through the door and Beast is like, I have the key from the security guard, you dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fun to see how they're, like, different and how they approach it differently. Yeah, they all have their own plan, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I did laugh because Gambit got hit in the crotch with a tree branch. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that made me laugh. And I'm like, how convenient that the lasers are only on the bottom of the room. <laughs> Not the I know, whole- that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, if you're going to do lasers, you should probably do the whole thing. But no, I can just mosey on onto over this. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, like, it's definitely good planning if we're trying to protect this place from mutants to just, you know, protect the floor. They can't fly <laughs> or climb things. <laughs> Outside, Cyclops, Rogue, and Gambit see more vehicles approaching as inside Morph says, Smooth sailing from here as a room full of guards gets ready to shoot them. End part one. Yeah. Um, I still have some notes in here. Like, Morph's creepy munchkin laugh. I don't like it. I don't like it. I... <laughs> <laughs> It oh, it makes me feel so many creepy things. I don't like that creepy munchkin laugh. Um, <laughs> and then Xavier in this much more appropriate voice, not as hot. <laughs> yeah, not as hot. <laughs> this is this is the Xavier I know and love, but not as hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the like character designs and their outfits and everything? I mean. I just I may be biased because that's what I know and what I and what I'm used to and you know the first version that I remember. So I'm just like this is like '90s nostalgia. Love it. So I'm always I just I I think it's I'm blinded by that in a lot of ways. But you know I think I love like little storms, little lightning bolt earrings. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they look really good. I mean, I enjoy. I always enjoy these outfits. They're kind of staples. Yeah, because these uh, character designs only hit the comics in X-Men in 1991. In X-Men number one, this was uh, Jim Lee's designs for them, mm-hmm. which randomly I went to a comic book store in San Diego this last weekend and they had X-Men number one signed by Jim Lee. I was like, yeah, I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> So this was a little bit um, jarring for some people because they were such fresh outfits. But like for you and me who got introduced to them like this, it's like, yeah, this is how they've always looked. Right. But um, one issue they had is Storm typically wears black, but like her controlling the weather, she would get lost in the clouds a lot. Uh So they changed her to white. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So and then I guess uh, there's some trouble because – Jim Lee apparently started not liking Marvel and he left Marvel to start his own comic book company. So then Marvel came to uh, Eric and they were like, 
we need you to change the designs because we don't want to like highlight Jim Lee's work now. <laughs> oh no! So I guess one of the uh, the character designers drew these purposely like really bad character designs and showed it to them, and they're like, "Oh my god, these are so bad! Just keep it the way it is." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "No, <laughs> I love that." Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we start on to the second part? Sure. Storm's team is about to open the booby trap door. Wolverine <laughs> smells guns. He stops Storm from opening it. Instead, she blasts through with her winds, stopping the attack. The team follows. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Outside, men pile out of tanks as Cyclops' team looks on. The team attacks in order to draw the men away from the building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Morph uses a weird, unbelievable voice. <laughs> oh my god! It sounded like he swallowed a frog. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> we need you to go over there. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, ew! <laughs> Uh, so that was that and then (laughs) um, he tricks the guards into leaving the mutant files room unguarded storm beast and wolverine come in to destroy the files the file is locked wolverine unlocks it (laughs) this is another part that's a little funny to me because storm is like desperately trying to open and it's locked i'm like bitch we just saw you like take out a bunch of stuff and be super powerful and she can't like struggle this locked door open <laughs> but yeah wolverine just chink and chink and chink and then it yep. opens yeah yeah <laughs> jubilee wakes up tied down in detroit michigan of all places many miles from where the x-men are in washington dc Gyrick goads Jubilee to try to get info on the X-Men from her. Enter Bolivar Trask, the builder of the Sentinels. Gyrick gets a call that the MCA is under attack. He tells them to kill the X-Men. Oh, no. Oh, no. So Bolivar Trask is another big character. He first showed up on X-Men 14 in 1965 so he was in the stan lee writing days og og yeah so gyrick and trask have never actually met in the comics oh yeah but i thought it was cool that they use him because i feel like it's more of like an homage to use him like to show like hey we know what we're doing we know what we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) yeah so Trask did build the Sentinels, though. The only difference is, like, it's funny because his kids were mutants, and he tried to ignore that or suppress their powers. But once he saw the X-Men fighting against the Sentinels, he re- and that they saved him from the Sentinels at a certain point, he realized that they are people, too, and he sacrificed himself to stop the Sentinel program. Wow, that's new mm-hmm. information to me. I just knew him as the Sentinel guy, so I'm like, oh, oh well, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we also saw him in Days of Future Past, played by Peter Dinklage. Yes. Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> Days of Future Past. <laughs> 
I know I've told you this, but I haven't told our listeners on here. I know. Kevin, why didn't Magneto stop wearing his red and purple outfit? <laughs> hmm, let me think. I don't know the answer to this one. I was like, oh, why don't you tell me? <laughs> because days of fuchsia passed. <laughs> oh, clever. I know. <laughs> Makes me laugh. <laughs> All right, it's 25. <laughs> Back at the MCA, the battle rages on. Rogue is concerned with the guards getting a moon burn. A what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As the fight continues, the X-Men inside finish destroying the files. The team races to the Blackbird. The X-Men are about to escape when a sentinel comes out of the woods. Morph sacrifices himself to save Wolverine. Oh, Kevin. Yeah. This has always made me mad. Tell me. Wolverine is literally the only X-Men who has healing powers. <laughs> if you're going <laughs> to sacrifice yourself for someone, don't do it for Wolverine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> and I always I I didn't hear this in this episode, but I always remembered. I don't know why I remembered it this way. I always remember Wolverine going morph, but he never does that. I just thought that in my head probably. <clears throat> I think he does it in later episodes. Okay, yeah. So I, I, I remember that distinctively. I'm like, did I make that up? So, yeah. <laughs> So this was another case where in the original script, it wasn't Morph. It was going to be Thunderbird, who's a Native American hero, an older brother of Warpath. And uh, he actually did die in the comics. He's like the first of the new team to die. But Marvel came back and they're like, oh, we don't know how we feel about you killing off a Native American, like the only Native American on the show. <laughs> yeah. So they switched it over to Morph. <laughs> <laughs> And I had to look at this again because it felt like something was cut out. Because it just like stops. He runs out and then it just stops. And then they're like, Gene, what did you see? Oh! Like, like, it's more. (laughs) So I was like, did did I miss something? Did they cut it out? Was it too violent? I was so, I was questioning this when I watched this again. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people talk about this scene as, like, what made this show real to them. Like, this is, they're, they're in danger. Like, people can die. Yeah. You in danger. Yeah. You in danger. <laughs> Gene, Gene gasms at the feeling of Morph dying. <laughs> or did he? Professor X asks, what's up? She gives him Cerebo. He can't feel Morph. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. Oh, no. I can't feel him. (laughs) Even the Blackbird seems sad as the X-Men return to the mansion, the maison. Yes, the manor. Wolverine be mad at Cyclops for leaving Morph. He thinks there was a better way. The two are about to fight when Jean interrupts. Oh, the thruple of my life. She reveals Beast is alive! Wait. Yes, Beast is alive. Just captured, but Morph be dead. (laughs) 
Yeah, and, like, it has been a while since I've watched this episode. Like, I watched through the whole series in 2020, and I've been watching random episodes ever since we talked about doing this. But, like, I was like, yeah, they didn't – what happened to Beast? Yeah, he just kind of got, like, blasted, and then he's like, oh, whatever. Well, we don't even see that yet. She oh, just right. you're gonna alive, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, Beast is gone too? Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Wolverine is about to drive off when he gets mad at Cyclops' car. He politely makes it into a convertible, then drives off in his Jeep. (laughs) Wolverine is haunted by the events that transpired. He reminisces on Beast getting thrown into electrical wires. The Sentinels threw Wolverine into the woods as the X-Men did their best to hold off the Sentinels, but they just kept coming. Cyclops calls for retreat, but Wolverine says his line... I go where I want to go and tries to go back. Rogue renders Wolverine unconscious and they leave. Wolverine in the present stops the Jeep at a cliff and promises to avenge Morph. I'm just like, I'm like, he's like, Cyclops just got a convertible. And I'm like, I like a convertible. I've always wanted a convertible. And funny enough, he gets one in evolution. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So yeah, cool. All right, 29. Back at the MCA, Beast is surrounded. Beast cries for Morph as he is taken into custody. In his cell, Gyrick tries to interrogate Beast. A little too soon, Gyrick. A hobo dressed as the president addresses the nation with her (laughs) ugly voice. She says the MCA was attacked by mutants, but they were saved by... (laughs) I have that written down too. <laughs> my fellow Americans, my fellow. What is this president, lady, robot, grandma voice? Like, right. <laughs> Mutant came in and she attacked MCA. And she just doesn't look pretty either. Like, what is this president? We finally get a female president and she's like a hobo junkie. <laughs> Like, I just had too much Botox in this side of my mouth. How come this hand is so little and this hand is so big? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's her. Wolverine is playing pool at a dive bar as Senator Robert Kelly comes on the TV and agrees with the president. Wolverine says his line, (laughs) I go where I want to (laughs) go. Enter Cyclops. He come for Wolverine. Outside, Cyclops says he doesn't apologize for his call, but he offers to let Wolverine help get revenge. He's like, I got a plan. You want you in? You want it? Uh, you on in I really appreciated the Bee Gees at the bar yeah <laughs> they look just like the Bee Gees hanging out hey four eyes like <laughs> hey you're a mutant aren't ya <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I like, I think this shows, once again, like, Cyclops knows his team. Because he knows if he comes to Wolverine and says, hey, come party with us, Wolverine's going to be like, no, I go where I want to go. But if Cyclops says, hey, do you want to get some revenge, then Wolverine's going to be like, 
Sure. <laughs> sure, <laughs> bub. Yeah. <laughs> Gyrick walks into his office to report to the hobo disguised as a president <laughs> as she exercises. <laughs> she calls for a hold on the program. She suspected the X-Men must have really thought the program was bad if they were so willing to sacrifice their lives to stop it. Gyrick leaves and throws a tantrum, scattering papers everywhere. He gets a call from Jubilee's dad that a mutant is in his house asking about Jubilee. Qua? I'll be... Hold him. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Uh, yeah. Okay. I tell you. All right, so... <laughs> At Jubilee's house, Cyclops is warning her parents that he thinks the Sentinels apprehended Jubilee. Cyclops is asked to leave. Jubilee's dad lets Scott know he called the MCA. As Cyclops leaves, he's attacked by a Sentinel. Cyclops shoots the Sentinel, and the Blackbird takes off following it. It was a trap! <laughs> yeah, I like this. It's like a very subtle trap. Like, you think, oh, Scott, you're stupid. Why are you going to their house? But then it turns out they were already to follow the Sentinel to where mm-hmm. Jubilee is. Cyclops is so cool. Yeah. I'm just saying. Oh, my God. I guess. Rogue's better. <laughs> Fine. Kevin. <laughs> you look like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> oh, I forgot to talk about that. Yeah, I love <laughs> We always quote Rogue and her, don't get a moon burn. <laughs> hey, sugar. <laughs> She's so funny. Where did they get these sayings? I don't know. I mean, like, maybe they really exist. I don't know if they made them up True. or if like, they just went to the South and watched people talk. <laughs> I don't well, think I'm actually, that one down. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine they did do some research there because they actually did with Beast and all his quotes. They would have like competitions to see who could find the more obscure quote that fits the situation best. <laughs> <laughs> but Kevin, we have our second 90s moment. You've got mail. 90s moments. Yeah. Oh, my heart is on fire. Do of it. course. Not. <laughs> it's funny watching this today because if an adult man did that, we would be like, uh. It's like, are you okay, sir? Yeah. <laughs> nah. You know, yeah. Nah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back at the Sentinel factory, Gyrick orders Trask to pack it up. We're moving overseas. So I really like this. Do you think they're hinting at like moving to Genosha, which happens later in the series? I mean, they already showed it on TV. It's possible. Possibly. I think so, yeah, because that's yeah. in season one. So I think it's a hint. Yeah. The Sentinel returns, causing a power outage. Jubilee is able to escape. She pew-pews out of her cell right where Trask and Gyrick were standing. As she tries to leave, she's surrounded by Sentinels. Cyclops saves her. The X-Men attack the Sentinels. The Sentinels seem much dumber this time. (laughs) Yeah. So Scott doesn't say, like, get down at this point, but he says Jubilee ducks. I'm counting it. Okay. (laughs) It's the same. It's the gist. It's what he says, you know? Yeah. 
it was just interesting to me how when the X-Men are fighting the Sentinels outside, they were losing so much, but fighting them inside, they're like killing it. They're awesome. It's like, we can't, it's like, our weakness indoors. (laughs) (laughs) Our weakness indoors. Yeah. (laughs) I cannot fight indoors. I'm not programmed for this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Back at home, Jubilee tells her parents she is going to live at Xavier's. Yay. It's like, you've been the best foster parents a girl could ask for. <laughs> Except for when you tried to give me up to those evil people who tried to kill me. But yes. I forgive you. <laughs> Xavier is a much pl- better place for me. Thanks. Yes. As Jubilee arrives, Scott asks Jean if he made the right call with Beast and Morph. She says he did what he had to, and so did they. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we missed the part where... <laughs> She's like, like, will you visit? Does a mall babe eat chili fries? (laughs) Yeah, does a mall babe eat chili fries? (laughs) I mean, that could be another 90s moment, I suppose. (laughs) But, oh my gosh. It's cracked me up. It cracked me up. What else do I have in here? I thought there was a lot of Wizard of Oz references in here. Yeah, because he says the, hey, Tin Woodsman. Listen to to Oz in pieces. Okay. Or something like that. Oh, yeah, maybe lose your way to Oz, and he's like, I'll send you back to Oz in pieces. Um, and there's a part where Jubilee was going, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, which was like the Cowardly Lion. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part she's like, I just want to go home. I'm like, I kept thinking Wizard of Oz. but Well, Wizard of Oz is something we all know and love, so it's easy to, like, I, I have a lot of uh, uh, homages to it in my book, too, which you could find on Amazon. Witches Brew, A Dream of Waking. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think, you know, that the Wizard of Oz is something that just, like, gets mentioned constantly in pop culture. It's just, it's always there for a lot of people, and it's inspired a lot of things, and so it's gonna it's easily referenced in so many mediums. So, I like how I, like, uh, pop in these little, like, references to my other work so much, you don't even bat an eye anymore. You're like, that's just Sean selling oh, himself. Yeah. Right, I just... <laughs> I guess that's right. I didn't even think much of it. <laughs> oh, Sean, there he goes again. Plug. <laughs> All right, cool. so that takes us through Night of the Sentinels. Would you see this one is Extreme or X Out? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely not one of my favorites of the series, but I think it is a good. It's a good setup. It's a good starting point. You know, it takes it gets us everything is established that we need to know going forward you know yeah i would i would agree with that like i don't go out of my way to rewatch Night of the sentinels even though i've seen it so much because i used to have it on vhs also this one and enter yeah. magneto but like it set up the whole show it so flawlessly like introduced these characters and made us like appreciate each one of them and it started off the whole series that did very well mm-hmm so I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna extreme it just because it it was needed and it's necessary to continue the series in the grand scheme. So, yeah, I'll extreme it also. All right. So what we're gonna do on every episode, Kevin came up with this brilliant idea to look at the X factor for every episode. So the X factor is basically like our favorite moment from the episode and why it represents X Men. Yeah. 
X Factor, you have it, baby. Yeah. X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it ties into the name of the show, Surfing for X. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say for me, for Night of the Sentinels, the X Factor would definitely be Morph because I feel like he was a completely original character that Eric Lewald talks a lot in his book about how they had to make Morph likable if they're going to kill him. And for a lot of people from fans and from just lots of things that I've read, like, Everybody said they took this show seriously because Morph died. Like, this is an adult show where people can die. So it made the world of X-Men just dangerous and believable. And, like, any of our heroes could die at any second. So I just I, – I see why that was so important to add to the cartoon and why it set this cartoon apart from any other show at the time. Oh, yeah. That's nice. I can see that. I can see that. Ooh, my X Factor moment is when, you know, Storm and Rogue and Gambit and everybody choose to help Jubilee in the mall. Um, because for they all know she's a stranger. Uh, no, she knows they know really nothing about her, but they all, you know, they heed the call to help and they, they know that there's like somebody in trouble, possibly a mutant, and we're going to, you know, have her join the well, oh, and see a very teamworky kind of thing, and you know, it felt very X Men to me in that moment. Yeah, it is. They did such a good job, and what's amazing to me is like a lot of people working on this cartoon had never read an X Men book, mm-hmm. but they still got it so perfectly with the help of the people who had read read them. Yeah, yeah, cool, <laughs> cool. I like it. <laughs> Do you have an MXP for this episode? <laughs> I'm gonna pick my boy Cyclops. I can't help it. I love him so much in this. <laughs> He's so powerful. He shows you his strength. He shows you his personality. He shows you his his skill and his knowledge and his his leadership. And I'm I'm all for him in this. <laughs> yeah, he is pretty <laughs> good in this episode. Wow, I, I don't know, like everybody does so much in this episode. It's hard to choose who would be the MXP. Um, I think I'll echo you. It would be Cyclops because, yeah, he's a good leader. He stands by his decisions. But I think what makes him likable is the fact that he questions his decision, like, in private with Gene. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, fine, Kevin. You're bringing me around on Cyclops. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that wraps up our episode on Night of the Sentinels. Next week, we're talking uh, Enter Magneto and Deadly Reunions, which actually pair up really well together. Ooh, parents. Pair them together. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Not. Not. (laughs) Where else can people find you, Kevin? Oh, well, you can find me at my other podcast, Words of the Witches about the Charmed Books, or on Hanging with the Hallowells with you. With me? <laughs> yeah. You can find me on Once Upon a Cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening and be back next Friday for more. Oh, yeah. Extreme. Extreme. <laughs>